So we're reading this morning Psalm 107, verses 1 to 9. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Well, thanks uh, so much, Wendy. Uh, and I'd really encourage everybody to keep your Bible open there uh, at Psalm 107. Uh, on the church email that went out on Friday, uh, you should have received uh, a link to both this, which obviously you've got, uh, but then also a link to a sermon outline uh, and a kid sheet as well. Uh, so hopefully you've got some of them printed off and accessible and ready to go. At the bottom of the sermon outline, there are some questions, uh, things that you might want to consider after the message today, after the service, uh, things that you might want to consider uh, in your family or in your growth group uh, in the days ahead. Now, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I had to go up to Melbourne uh, for a conference, and I had to go to a part of Melbourne that I had not been to before. And as I was going up, I was thinking about how different it is doing that today than it was 15, uh, 20 years ago, uh, before we all had that portable mobile uh, GPS uh, sitting in our pockets. You see, uh, pre-mobile phones, uh, it was quite easy to get lost, wasn't it? Uh, you didn't really didn't need to try that hard. Uh, you came from Geelong in particular, you drove up to the Big Smoke uh, up in Melbourne and you take a wrong turn off the freeway. Uh, and then all of a sudden you have no idea where you are and no idea how to get back on track. Uh, you probably pulled over to the side of the road and you, you, you dug under the seat for that Melways. Uh, you, you remember that, that, that book, Everybody's 18th uh, Birthday Present. Uh, and it's quite sad that there's probably a whole generation of people hear this thing going, what on earth uh, is a Melways? Uh, but you scoured that Melways, you, you had to go to the index to find out look for a street and then find out where you are. Or, or perhaps you, you, you pulled over to the side of the road uh, and you had to ask somebody, um, where am I? Um, how do I get to such and such a place? Now, we don't really do that very much anymore, do we? Uh, within seconds and a few punches of the buttons, uh, we can know exactly where we are and we can know exactly where we need to go. Uh, we can even have a, a, a little voice uh, that tells us every single turn that we need to make. But this is a relatively new experience. Uh, before that, it was easy to get lost, to wander around, to drive around for, for, for hours looking for a familiar landmark. Well, this morning we're looking at the part of a psalm which really talks about being lost. Uh, and it talks about being found. Uh, it's a psalm that is written uh, pre-mobile phone, obviously, uh, nearly 3,000 years ago. And it's written for people 
who can get easily lost. Now, first of all, though, it's, it's not actually about people who get lost driving their car. Uh, it's not even about people who get lost uh, wandering through the bush and leaving the track. It might be the imagery being used, but ultimately it's a psalm about people who get lost spiritually. People who don't know where they're at with God. Now, I don't know if you remember back this far, a lot has happened, but we actually looked at this psalm, uh, a part of the psalm, or a different part of the psalm, about two or three weeks ago. And we noticed that it's a psalm which talks about uh, a number of different groups of people and how those people need to be rescued and saved. In fact, it, it gives four different images of people who are lost, uh, people who need rescuing, and the amazing deliverance that the God of steadfast love brings them. So this morning, we're going to look through this first section of the psalm. Uh, we're going to look at it under a very uh, simple outline. If you've got it in front of you, you notice there's no rocket science behind it. Uh, we're going to have a look at being lost, uh, how we're lost, uh, why we're lost, and we're going to look at being found, what it is that God has done to rescue lost people. So let's start then with being lost. And I actually want to start with a story. Uh, in 2006, there was a man named Ricky McGee uh, who was driving through a very remote outback road. Uh, it was the Tanami Highway uh, between Alice Springs and heading up uh, towards the Kimberley. And as he was driving along, he, he stopped to pick up a young man. There's actually a, a, a group of people uh, who said that their car had broken down. And so Ricky agreed to take one of these to the nearest township to get help. Uh, several hours later, uh, Ricky found himself uh, lying in a ditch on the side of the road uh, without shoes, without car, uh, without food, without water, uh, covered by a tarpaulin and held down by rocks. Uh, Ricky would go on to say in a statement afterwards, uh, no shoes, no vehicle, no food, no water, and no idea. I'd always been one of those blokes who ragged on people who found themselves lost in the desert. Now, I was one of those people. It was harsh, desolate country for a man to all alone and bare feet. Nevertheless, I started to walk and walk. The more I walked, I figured the less distance I'd have to travel to, be, to, like, to get found. It was faulty logic but it was the best I could come up with. After 10 days of wandering around, Ricky found himself uh, exhausted uh, near an old trot, drinking trough. Uh, he turned it upside down to make himself a, a basic shelter, and there he waited uh, for 61 more days until finally he was discovered by uh, two farmhands riding past. By the time he was rescued, 71 days after he went missing, uh, Ricky had lost 60 kilograms. Now, in Psalm 107, uh, talks about being lost. Uh, this is exactly the situation that it's describing. Ha have a look at verses 4 and 5. 
It says, some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Notice the two issues that, that it comes up with there about wandering lost in a, in a desert waste. It says, firstly, that you, you can't find yourself a way to a city to dwell in. Uh, you're without a home, without a refuge, without a shelter, without comfort, without community, without safety. You don't want to be out there all on your own. And then notice also, secondly, it says, you're out there and you are hungry and thirsty. You are longing for nourishment, uh, dying of thirst and of hunger, longing for something to eat and drink, but yet finding nothing. Now, I've never been uh, lost uh, in a desert. Uh, I, I can imagine, though, how bad it must be, uh, how hopeless, uh, how, how devastating it must be. But as bad as it might be to be physically lost and wandering in a desert wasteland, what this psalm is describing is actually far, far worse. Because it's actually describing a spiritual condition. It's actually describing the spiritual condition of people in this world without God. Look at how the last line of that opening bit finishes there in verse 5. It says, their soul fainted within them. Uh, look at how it finishes. He satisfies the longing soul. This isn't just talking about physical bodies lost in a desert. It's talking about a spiritual lostness. I don't know if you've noticed this or thought about this. But we actually see this going on all around us all the time. Notice how, how we live in a time where we have so much, uh, so much in terms of uh, financial uh, stuff, physical possessions. We have so many choices, uh, so much education, access to so much uh, knowledge. Uh, we, we can, pandemics aside, we, we can travel uh, like no one else in history has ever been able to travel. We can own and accumulate things unlike anyone else in history. But you notice that in spite of all this, it's never enough. We're never satisfied. That, that's what these verses are talking about. It's talking about people who long to be filled, long to be satisfied, Long to be home, long to be at rest, but not finding it. This is describing that the, the spiritual state, the sad spiritual state of the world in which we live, constantly looking and longing, searching for meaning and wholeness and rest and peace, but simply not finding it. Maybe we find it for a little while. We, we find the new thing, the answer to our, to our longing, but it doesn't last. Before long, it doesn't satisfy like it used to. Or maybe we give up on trying to be satisfied. 
and instead we just numb the pain. Maybe as we talk about this this morning, you can think of a time in your life when, when this was like you. That feeling of restlessness that comes because we are away from the God who created us. That sense of soul hunger, soul thirst that can never be satisfied. Those times that we worked hard to, to fill in the gap, to, to be satisfied, to, to be at home. Maybe we, we buried ourselves in our work. Maybe we, we've created a new relationship or, or got rid of a bad one. Maybe we threw ourselves into being the best mom or dad or, or grandparent that we possibly could. Or a time that we gave up and we, we sought to numb that pain and that emptiness through something else. The truth is, is that maybe some of us are there at the moment. Uh, maybe we, at the moment, feel desperately restless, uh, longing to be home, soul empty, desperately trying to fill the gap any way we can. If this is you, uh, I want to be a little bit bold for a moment and say something a little controversial. Uh, maybe there's a good thing, there's a screen or two screens between you and me this morning. Can, can I say this? Um, it's a good thing that you're there. It's a good thing that you feel it, that you know it. Actually, to know that you're there is a gift from God. Imagine being out in the desert, uh, alone, starving, hungry, and yet thinking you're having a day at the beach. Imagine being completely lost, and, uh, but thinking that you can turn a corner and, and you'll be at home. How tragic would that be? Now, see, at least, at least we know we're dying. We're ready to be rescued. Because when we're hopelessly lost in the desert, uh, we don't need more effort on our behalf. We don't need new ideas or strategies. Uh, we don't need another burst of energy. Uh, we need one thing and one thing only. We need to be rescued, to be found, to be delivered. And that is exactly what this psalm is describing here. Look at, look at how it happens. Verse 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Let me notice two things. They cried out. You know, they, they are in the desert. Uh, we send, we, we activate the emergency beacon. Uh, we send up the flare or light a bonfire. We, we would spell out help in stone so that a passing plane might see it. Uh, this person cried out to help because they knew that they needed it. And who did they cry out to? They cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the one and only one who can and will deliver people. They cried out to the one who knows, who hears, and the one who loves. Now, we might ask a very important question here. Uh, 
How does God look at people who are hopelessly lost? Especially, uh, how does God look at people who are hopelessly lost and it's their own fault? Because it's their own rebellion that causes them to be lost. How can that God look at people who are lost because they think they know better than God? Now, we might be tempted to say, God will say, you get what you deserve. Uh, you made uh, your bed, you, you lie in it. You, you reap what you sow. We might be tempted to think that because this is what we might be tempted to say about others who are more lost than ourselves. But he doesn't. Uh, look at verse 8. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. How, how, how does God look at hopelessly lost people who cry out to him? Well, he looks at them and he sees them in steadfast love. He shows his everlasting undying, uncompromising, eternal love. And in that love, he rescues, he delivers people. When Jesus was on earth, uh, he came face to face in Luke 19 uh, with a man who, who, who everybody knew was hopelessly lost. Uh, a man who was a traitor. He, he, He'd compromised himself with their sworn enemies. Uh, he, he'd ripped the people off. He, he was really the lowest of the low. And yet Jesus went to his house. And out of his house, he stated his mission to Zacchaeus and everyone else. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. He came for people hopelessly wandering in a desert. He came for people who were spiritually lost, and he came to save. Now, that saving was costly. Uh, it wasn't uh, easy. It wasn't just a click of the fingers thing. That wandering came about because of disobedience, because of sin, because of rebellion. And the Lord Jesus came to pay the penalty for that, to suffer and die on the cross so that lost people could be forgiven, could be found, and could be brought home. There are, there are two images here which the psalm uses to describe that rescuing work. The first one is that he, he leads his people uh, on a straight path to a city. Uh, look at verse 7. He led them by a straight way to dwell till they reached in a city to dwell in. Notice the comparison. They wandered in a desert wasteland. He led them in a straight way to a city to dwell in. That's exactly what, what God has done for us in the Lord Jesus out of a, a spiritual wasteland with, with, without hope and without direction, he has led us on a straight path to himself. He's led us to, uh, to be in a place of belonging, 
and community and life and in hope. We experience that when we, we come to know Jesus, that he, he welcomes us home to himself. And he welcomes us into his new community of people, a city to dwell in. Now, when I started uh, prepping this uh, sermon five or six days ago, and I was selecting a, uh, uh, some verses to preach on, uh, we were in a different place. Uh, we were heading to being uh, together uh, in one service at 10 o'clock uh, for the first time for, for many, many months. Well, we got part of it, didn't we? We got a 10 o'clock service, one of them, uh, but we didn't quite get to all be together. I was going to talk about how wonderful it, it was to be a part of God's people and to, to be all together. Uh, to be a, a community of belonging and a, a place of hope and a place of life, a place of community and a place of blessing. Uh, today also, when I was preparing this, we were planning uh, to baptize Ethan. Uh, we we're going to talk about how wonderful it is that Ethan gets to belong to a community of people uh, who love him, who'll encourage him, uh, who'll spur him on, who'll pray for him, uh, who'll keep him safe. Now, in one sense, we, we, we feel the loss today, don't we, of, of not being able to be together. But in another sense, none of that has actually changed. We've still been brought home to a city to dwell in. We've been brought close to our God, and we've been brought close to one another. We belong to a community that, that loves us, serves us, and prays for us and accepts us and encourages us. Now, we, we live that out differently from time to time now with, with these lockdowns, but it doesn't change the reality, does it? Maybe we are reminded today again of how important that is and not to take it for granted. I, I think that this was one of the lessons that we learned individually and as a church last year. Uh, how much we need each other, how important it is to have one another uh, in each other's lives. It's, it's something that's actually been wonderful to see after services on Sunday. We've been back together, the, the way that people have connected and encouraged each other. Today, we get another little shot of reminder, don't we? Because uh, we're likely to forget it. What a wonderful thing that God has brought us home to each other. But there's a second way that uh, this part of the psalm describes that uh, rescuing work of God. Uh, a second way of putting it is that he satisfies the longing soul. Have a look down there at verse 9. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Again, notice the contrast. Uh, hungry and thirsty, uh, soul fainting within them, uh, a, a life that has been drained of, of energy, a life that's been drained of life itself, now being filled, uh, satisfied. Uh, you know what it's like when you, you're, you're starving, uh, you're really hungry, and you have uh, set before you just this, this wonderful meal. Uh, all of the great things you want, you know how you feel after, maybe you feel a bit full, but you, 
You have a smile on your face. Finally satisfied. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about our souls being satisfied. Our souls being filled with every good thing. Well, what does he fill us with, though? How do we experience this? Well, he fills us with himself. He satisfies our longing with himself. He is everything that our hearts desire. We crave love. We crave uh, belonging. He satisfies it with himself. He is the God of steadfast love. Uh, the God who calls us to himself. We, we crave uh, identity. We crave to know that, that who we are and what we belong to. And he satisfies us because he says, I am your God and you are my child. We crave purpose. And he satisfies us in himself. He says, you belong to me. You are part of my kingdom of priests. Uh, you are part of uh, my work in this world. We crave security. We crave peace. We crave goodness. And he satisfies us with himself. Uh, maybe today uh, is the day for you to be satisfied. Finally, after all your searching, and longing to be satisfied in Christ, to be rescued from a hopeless wandering, brought home to your God, and satisfied with every good thing. Maybe today is a day to remember or to realize uh, that having been found with gone and got ourselves a little bit lost again. Uh, we have wandered off. Uh, we've been distracted by uh, the false satisfaction that seems to be all around us. Uh, we've been fooled into thinking that, that cheap alternatives will, will make it last. Maybe it's to be reminded that we have true satisfaction been given to us in the Lord Jesus who gives us every good thing in his life, in his death, and his rising. He's the one who calls us to draw close to him, uh, to be soul satisfied in him, uh, to draw close to him in his word, uh, his word which, which satisfies our deep longing, our soul thirst. It fills us to the brim with every good thing. Maybe today is a day to be reminded uh, not to be seduced uh, by a cheap alternative, uh, not to fill our lives with junk, but to fill our lives, our souls, with the one who satisfies us deeply. Let's pray to him, shall we? Lord God, we, we want to do as this psalm says. Uh, we want to give thanks to you for your steadfast love, uh, for your wondrous works uh, to your children. 
Uh, thank you, Lord God, that you are the one uh, who searches. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one who finds. Uh, thank you that you are the one who rescues and delivers. Thank you, Lord, that you've brought us home to yourself and to your church. Uh, thank you that we have a community, a, a place to dwell of safety and belonging, uh, of purpose and of love. And thank you, Lord, that you satisfy the very deepest longings of our soul. Lord God, we, we want to be satisfied in you uh, and in you alone. Uh, we want to have our lives found in you uh, and in you alone. Please be our hope, our joy, and our peace. Uh, we ask for Jesus' sake. Amen.